Hello, and welcome to the weekly worship podcast for Fuquay Arena, United Methodist Church. We think it's important, not just that you listen today, but we would invite you to worship with us today. If you'd like to further engage your faith or the community around you and like to partner with us, uh, please visit our website, fvumc.org, for more information. Also, we'd love to hang out with you on a Sunday morning, whether that's live, online, or in person. Online on Sunday mornings on our website or Facebook page or YouTube channel, you can enjoy the venue with us, which is a worship service crafted for community online, or you can join our live in-person services online at 1010 for our contemporary, 1115 for our traditional. If you'd like to worship in person with us, we have worship at 9 o'clock and 1010 for our contemporary worship services and 1115 for our traditional worship. At the end of the day, we believe that when and where you worship is not nearly as important as that you worship. And so we're so glad to be with you today, worshiping together. Well, good morning, everyone. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'm Shelby and I serve as the Director of Discipleship here at Pavimsi. And I'm excited to be here with y'all this morning on the first Sunday of Advent, the season when we eagerly anticipate and prepare to celebrate the birth of Christ, God come to dwell with us in human form, Emmanuel. Our Advent theme this year is from generation to generation. And so throughout this Advent season, as we look forward to Christ's coming, we'll also be reflecting on the generations of faith that have come before us and those that will come after us. What has been passed on to us, and what will we pass on to future generations? How are all of our stories interconnected and woven together into the tapestry of God's great story? These are some of the questions we'll be exploring together this Advent season. As I began to reflect on the theme of generations, I couldn't help but think of my grandfather on my mom's side who is without a doubt our family's designated historian and genealogist. For as long as I can remember, granddaddy has been telling us grandchildren stories about distant relatives, ancestors we've never heard of, but that he knows all about um, from all of the research he has done on our family's history. One year for Christmas, this was years ago, he gave me and each of my cousins a binder full of pages upon pages of our personal genealogy. Then a couple of years ago, he shared with our entire family an autobiography that he had written in the hopes that we, his descendants, might understand his life and appreciate the influence it has had on us. Even more recently, Granddaddy gave me access to his family tree maker account and software including a thumb drive with everything he had learned so far in his genealogical quest. Which, in all honesty, I have mostly utilized so far to browse for potential baby names. But although I haven't always appreciated the value of granddaddy's work, I must say I'm coming to appreciate it more and more, especially as I prepare to bring my husband Mike and I's daughter, the first member of the next generation of my family, into the world. Genealogy is important because it tells us who we have come from. It gives us a broader picture of the family that we are part of. The word genealogy can be broken down into gen, meaning birth or origin, and logi, meaning the study of. In other words, genealogy is the study of one's origins. So it shouldn't surprise us that genealogy was important to the writers of scripture as well. 
It was important for them to document the origins of the people named, the people whose stories are told in scripture. In fact, there are about 25 genealogical lists in the Bible. You know, they're those super long lists of names that you usually skip right over when you're reading because you don't know who half those people are, uh, let alone how to pronounce their names. Well, guess what? I have the joy of preaching on one of those long lists of names this morning. Yep, this morning we'll be looking at the genealogy of Jesus, arguably the most important genealogy in the Bible. There are actually two genealogies of Jesus in the Bible, one in Matthew and one in Luke, but this morning we'll be looking at the one found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. But rather than me reading you 17 verses worth of names and inevitably butchering some of them, we have a lovely musical rendition to share with you instead. Abraham had Isaac, Isaac he had Jacob, Jacob he had Judah and his kin. Then Perez and Zerah came from Judah's woman Tamar. Perez he brought Hezron up and then came. Aram then a man and then Nashan, who is then the dad of Salmon, who with Rahab fathered Boaz. Ruth she married Boaz, who had Obed, who had Jesse. Jesse he had David, who we know as king. Solomon by dead Uriah's wife Solomon well you all know him He had good old Rehoboam Followed by Abijah who had Asa Asa had Jehoshaphat Had Joram had Isaiah Who had Jotham then Ahaz then Hezekiah Followed by Manasseh who had Amon Who was a man who was father Of a good boy named Josiah About a place to find potential baby names. I mean, Aminadab, Zerubbabel, Rehoboam, Jehoiakim, so many good ones to choose from there. And okay, at first glance, Matthew's genealogy might appear to be just that, a list of names. A list of names that makes our eyes glaze over as we skip down to the more exciting part where the action is. Fair enough. Like any genealogy or family tree, this one would be pretty boring and meaningless if the names themselves were the only information we had. 
I know that I would not be nearly as intrigued by my grandfather's genealogical research if he didn't have so many stories to go along with the names. But it's the same way here. Thanks to the Old Testament, we do have many stories to go along with the names found in Matthew's genealogy. When we zoom in on the names, we can see what their individual stories were all about. And then when we zoom out, we can see how each story is part of the greater story of God. One quick thing to note about Matthew's genealogy of Jesus, which you might have picked up on, is that he doesn't trace Jesus' lineage through his mother Mary, but instead through Joseph, who is not even Jesus' biological father. As we know and affirm every time we recite the Apostles' Creed, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Yeah, Jesus gets, I mean, Joseph gets no mention there. So even though we tend to think of genealogies as being traced through biological lines, it is called AncestryDNA.com, Matthew doesn't seem to be as concerned with all that. He's more concerned with the significant role that Joseph and others played in God's great story leading up to the birth of Christ, with the way that all the individuals listed helped move the story forward in some way by participating in God's unfolding work of redemption. Matthew starts with Abraham, so let's start there too. When we zoom in on Abraham, we see a man who left his hometown and everything he had ever known uh, to go where God told him, to an unknown land that God would show him. A man who at age 99 trusted God when God said God would make him the father of many nations, even though he didn't have any children yet. When we zoom out, we see that God was faithful and fulfilled God's promise to Abraham that through him, eventually, all people would be blessed. Matthew traces Jesus' lineage back to Abraham because Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise, the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of the world. When we zoom out on Abraham's story, we see that Jesus has been part of the story God is writing all along, a story in which Abraham played a significant part. Another familiar name that we can zoom in on is David, the shepherd boy who was called a man after God's own heart and became Israel's most well-known king and the author of many psalms. Undeniably, David left an impressive legacy. But we also know that David was far from perfect. This is the same guy who committed adultery with another man's wife and then had that man, Uriah, one of his best soldiers, killed to cover up his misdeeds. Not what you might expect from Israel's most well-known king. And yet, when we zoom out, we can see how God used David in all of his humanness, with all of his successes, failures, and flaws, to further God's story of salvation and redemption. Matthew's tracing of Jesus' lineage back to David highlights how Jesus is the true king who was promised to Israel the kind of king that David could never be, but for whom David helped pave the way. And then there are some less familiar names that are interesting to zoom in on. The names of five women that Matthew chooses to include in an otherwise all-male genealogy. Not only is Matthew's inclusion of women in general unconventional, the fact that he chooses to include the names of these lesser-known women, as opposed to the more familiar matriarchs of Israel, is surprising. 
Matthew makes no mention of Sarah, Rebecca, or Rachel, choosing instead to name Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, referred to as Uriah's wife, and Mary. When we zoom in on these women's stories, we see that each of them is unique and complex. None are simple or straightforward. I won't get into all of them here, but I encourage you to go and look them up and read them on your own. I think you'll see and agree that they're not the kind of stories you would expect to find in the lineage of Jesus. But as different as each one of their stories is, there is something that at least three of the women have in common. They're all non-Israelites or connected to non-Israelite families. Rahab was a Canaanite, Ruth was a Moabite, and Bathsheba was a Hittite. In other words, they were all outsiders. Which seems surprising until we zoom out and see that God has been using so-called outsiders all along, broadening the boundaries of the family of God to be ever more inclusive and expansive. We see Jesus continuing this work in his ministry with those on the margins and scorned by society, tax collectors and sinners, women and Samaritans, Samaritan women, lepers, and others deemed unclean. Matthew traces Jesus' lineage back through these lesser-known women because all along, God's story has been full of surprises and has made room for the people you'd least expect. As we've seen, the people God chooses to use and work through are far from perfect. Their stories are messy and complicated, full of trauma, triumph, hardship, and beauty. But no matter how messy or complicated their stories may be, when people throughout history have partnered with God, God has been able to work through them for good. You see, even the messiest of scriptures, of stories in scripture, point to Jesus. All the messiness and complexity of Matthew's genealogy, genealogy gives way to Jesus' birth. Each name holds a story, and all the stories collectively give way to Jesus' story. And the good news for us is this. We are part of that same story. We have been woven into the tapestry of God's great story through Christ, adopted into the ever-expanding family of God. Jesus' origin story is our origin story, too. And Matthew's genealogy reminds us that within this story, there is room for every story. There is room for triumphant stories, stories of major obstacles overcome, battles with cancer and addiction won, the homecoming of a child who had been wandering lost, the birth of a child long prayed for and once believed to be an impossibility. There is room for messy and complex stories, stories that include divorce, blended families, adoption, foster care. There is room for painful and traumatic stories, stories that include loneliness and isolation, terminal illness, abuse, infidelity, the loss of a child or other loved one. There is room for crazy stories, the ones you wouldn't believe were true if it hadn't happened to you. There is room for all of these stories. Oh, and there's room for the totally boring normal stories too. I used to find it pretty dull that I came from your stereotypically average 2.1 kids and a dog kind of family. It was my mom, dad, younger brother and me, 
We lived in the suburbs and had a golden retriever and both mom and dad were our pastors. All my grandparents and aunts and uncles are still happily married with kids and dogs of their own. And we don't even have a crazy uncle to spice things up during the holidays. I mean, come on. I used to find it dull until I realized that all families, including mine, have their own generational patterns and issues to work through. And no story is boring when it's wrapped up in God's story, because life with God is always an adventure. When I took the time to zoom in on my own story, reflecting on stories my grandparents have told me and reading my grandfather's autobiography, I began to see how God has been at work in my family uh, from generation to generation. Both of my grandparents are only children who were loved and cherished by their parents, but were also impacted by the grief of miscarriages and deaths during childbirth that were part of their family's stories. So when my grandparents got married, they envisioned and prayed for and hoped to one day have a big family, a family that would come together for gatherings full of laughter, love, and lots of food. And when I zoom out, I can see that over the years, that's exactly what God has created. Since my mom was a child, my grandparents' house has been a place of open doors, a place with room for friends in need of refuge to come and stay, a place for stray cats to find a home and squirrels fallen out of nests to be nursed back to health. Since I was a child, my parents' home has also been a place of open doors, a place for Edis, an orphan from Brazil, to come and stay with us on a temporary visa and later live with us for a year when I was in middle school. We're not biologically related, but we call each other sister. And I know that the overlapping of Edie's story with our family story has had a profound impact on all of us. Since then, my parents' home has continued to be a place for people to come and live temporarily when they needed somewhere to stay. And I have pondered how this pattern of open arms and doors of an expansive notion of family might show up in my own and future generations, whether it be through foster children, exchange students, or just an ever-increasing number of rescue dogs. Regardless, our family will definitely be expanding come February. And I wouldn't be surprised if the pattern continues and God keeps making room for more stories to be included because that just seems to be what God does. Friends, know this today. Your story matters to God. No matter how messy or complicated, crazy or complex, boring or seemingly normal, your story is good enough for God. Your story does not disqualify you from being used by God. Your story can be taken up and transformed woven into the tapestry of God's great story of salvation through Christ. In this story, there is room for every story, because God's story is for everyone. Pray with me. God of Abraham and Isaac, God of Tamar and Ruth, God of Mary and Joseph, you say, bring your full self. There's room for you here. But we say, our lives are too messy. You say, bring your hopes and your dreams. There's room for you here. But we say, it's too risky to hope. 
You say, bring your grief and your prayers. There is room for you here. But we say, some things are easier to forget. God of our past, present, and future, we know in our hearts that there's room for us here. Because from Abraham to Mary, you made room for every story, and your love continues to make room for us. Help us remember today and tomorrow, there's room for every story, because this story is for everyone. Amen. Again, it's been great to worship together with you today. If you would like to engage your faith with the community around you, we'd love to partner with you in that. You can visit our website, fvumc.org, to find out more information on what that looks like or to reach out to us. I'd like to extend another invitation for you to come and join us online or in person on Sunday mornings live. Uh, And while you're on our website, uh, again, if this is a regular place that you find spiritual sustenance, we'd love to partner with you as we serve our community here in the greater Fuquay Varina area. Um, fvumc.org slash give would help you uh, join with us in all of the wonderful work that happens in and through this family of faith here at Fuquay Varina United Methodist Church. It's been great to worship together with you, and we look forward to doing it again soon.